Welcome to the Nun Report, bringing your regular dose of truth, freedom, and weirdness with your host, Dan Nunn. Thanks for tuning in to the weekly guest edition of the Nun Report. I'm excited to have on a guy I've been following for a while. Some of you may have heard of him, um, a political commentator and comedian. He's host of Ungoverned on LFA TV, which is uh, kind of a, a great political commentary of, of hot topics and current events and news from a political nature. He's also host on Captain Deplorable. He comments on current events with a little bit of a humorous twist. And he's a funny guy. Uh, you're going to get a kick out of him. Make sure you check him out on uh, rumble.com slash Captain Deplorable. Uh, he's, he's, in my opinion, also uh, one of the best Trump impressionists that you'll find. And, and so... Today, we'll cover a range of topics, including the transing of American kids. And because that's what it's really about is the kids. We don't, you know, if people want to be trans, you know, whatever. I don't agree with it. I wouldn't do it. But, uh, you know, if, if, if they want to do it, fine. But leave the damn kids alone. We'll talk about men and women's sports a little bit. Maybe the border crisis. Trump 2024. And what do we have to do to make America great again? Uh, maybe even cover some sports. And, um, you know, if, if Sean feels up to it, we'll go ahead and uh, uh, maybe we'll hear from 45 himself. So let's get right down to it. And welcome to the show, constitutional conservative and fellow MAGA Republican, Captain Deplorable himself, Sean Farah. Sean, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I know you're a busy guy. I appreciate your time. Hey, thank you for having me. Really, really excited to uh, to record this. I saw the, the the game plan for this episode today, and uh, and I'm I'm stoked to go through this entire list of topics with you. Um, I think you have a great show and, and I'm excited, you know, to, to just be, I like to jump on a lot of people's shows, right? Cause there's a lot of different perspectives that we have all across the country and, and it's, it, you know, East coast, West coast, North, South, wherever we may be. Um, it's exciting to just be able to, to have these conversations and, and speak with people and their respective audiences. Right. Um, and kind of cross pollinate mm -hmm. throughout the entire space. Cause it's a, it's a saturated space. Right. Um, but I'm excited to I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be on this show with you, and uh, I'm ready to rock and roll. Um, just ready to ready to break down everything that we got in store, including maybe sports. And and I think you will hear from 45 today. I, I think you will. Okay, yeah, you know that's great, and that that's so cool that you feel that way because a lot of times you don't uh, see that support and cross pollination that you get from because while it is kind of saturated, I think there is. Um, everybody has kind of an independent individual audience. Uh, personally, I was late to the Twitter game. Uh, it's been hard to build there. And, and nowadays it is, I mean, I don't think I had a Twitter account until, um, like last year or the year before or something like that. Uh, but I know the Facebook game and I do have, a uh, a, a following there, but, uh, you know, Facebook is a, 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 well, you know, they're Facebook. So, yeah, uh, yeah. sometimes I got to uh, edit out the, the F bombs and, and stuff like that when we're on there. But, um, so what, what, how about a little bit about yourself, man? Uh, you have a background in radio, I think, um, or, or at least uh, you studied broadcasting. Is that right? Yeah, I went to school for radio, um, uh, radio and audio. Uh, I never worked professionally in radio. Okay. Um, you know, I talk about talk about an oversaturated market and a market that is coming. <laughs> when I went when I went to school for it, I was I was thinking sports radio, sports radio, sports radio. You know, from oh, New York. Competitive. Right. Oh, you know, cutthroat. New cutthroat. Yes. And, and being from New York, living on Long Island my whole life, listening to Mike and the Mad Dog, WFAN, you know, legendary sports radio station in New York. It was it was the top of the top. It was unbelievable. That's what I wanted to do. I was always interested in sports. I was always 
I was always somewhat interested in politics too, but I was like, I don't want to sit down and talk politics all day. You know, it's it, that's boring. And then Trump came along and just changed the entire game. Right. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah. um, you know, never worked professionally in radio. I know that I could, uh, but you know, I'm also a little bit, I, people would say a little, little bit of a loose cannon, not, not from a, from profanity standpoint, but controversy, I guess, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you, you, I touch on a lot of things on ungoverned um, that a lot of people probably wouldn't say. And one of the things that I always say is that I may not tell you what you want to hear all the time, but I'm always going to tell you what I believe is true. Um, and sometimes those conversations are a little tough, uh, but it, that's what I like to say sets us apart on our show on LFA TV and a lot of the independent podcasters and, um, and content creators in the space because we don't have somebody lurking over our shoulder the whole time saying, hey, you know, mm -hmm. be careful. Don't criticize this person. Uh, we can basically do what we want. And that's the essence of free speech. And that's why I'm happy that, you know, folks like us have been led into this space because rather than going ahead and working for a large, yeah, sure, you'll make a nice paycheck. But mm -hmm. is that money worth not being able to uh, to pontificate and to elaborate and to discuss controversial, if you want to call them that, or important is what I like to say. Controversial really means important uh, issues in society, right? We talk about transgender stuff. I've been sounding and I haven't had a following for the last six, seven years, maybe the last two. Yeah. Um, but, you know, been trying to talk about these issues for the last six or seven years. And it's like, well, you're a bigot or you're, you're not accepting or you're this or you're that or, you know, that's not important right now. It's the economy, stupid. And I'm like, no, though, it's no. like, not anymore. Like the culture war is the battleground and that's what we need to be talking about. And, you know, yes, uh, banking collapses and central bank digital currency and financial issues. I I'm not saying they're not important, but if you lose the culture, you lose the country. And when you lose the country, well, now you got, you know, you you've, you've fallen, we've fallen so far behind the eight ball that it's going to be hard for us to claw back. We had to claw back from the local level up. Um, and it's these, again, it's these, these, if you want to call them controversial, I call them important issues that folks like us have the freedom to talk about because we don't yeah. have a boss. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. You're not going to find that on, on, uh, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to find that on regular legacy media. You're not going to find, um, that sort of thing, because it's just not allowed, you know, right. You're going to be censored. You're going to be uh, possibly canceled. I mean, we found out recently that uh, even Tucker Carlson is not above the fray when right. it comes to that sort of thing. You know, one of the greats, probably the, the most gifted talent um, in, in, in broadcasting uh, other than Rush Limbaugh, I think in my lifetime. And so when you look at people like that and then platforms like this though, like you say, we can, um, that's where I go to find my news, man. I, I scroll Twitter. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I do different things. I go and find the news. I don't wait for it to find me. Right. And, and I, I think that we have, uh, we have a strength and we have an upper hand in that way. What's interesting about what you do is, is you've taken, um, you've taken that. So your training and, and your, 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 I guess not training, I guess, but uh, you know, your education, your interest in radio, uh, you've kind of morphed it into what you're doing now, as you said, uh, relatively recently. And, um, but then you took comedy and you combined it and you, you, you really have seemed to make it work where you can be serious about current events, but then also uh, introduce a comedic aspect to it. And, um, you know, part of that is, is of course, your, your uh, impression that you do of Donald Trump. And I, I'm interested to know, when did you know, or, or how did that come about that you, oh, 
I could actually do a pretty good, uh, pretty good impression of this guy. I mean, there was something that somebody told you or something you discovered on your own. What about that? Uh, well, I've always been, like you said, we were talking about, um, you know, getting educated in radio and whatnot. And so in some of our college classes, uh, working within ourselves in our classes, uh, doing projects, I would do a lot of voiceovers for people, um, for their, you know, for their respective, probably any Southern accent. I need this, I need this noise. I need you to, you know, and I would just do it, you know, because it was just fun. Um, to the point where in one of my classes, they'd nicknamed me Robin Williams. This was before, this was before he took his life. But I mean, Robin Williams, clearly one of the, one of the most talented, not just actors, but voice actors and comedians ever. And And improv. I mean, his improv abilities, right? Just to be able to, to just on the spot. And, you know, we lost the gym when we lost Robin Williams and that's a tragedy in and of itself. But uh, that was, that was kind of my thing for a while. I was always a kind of a class clown. I would make little silly remarks and get people to laugh. And I've always, I've always liked that. Why does because, that not surprise me? <laughs> right. Because no, think about it. No, because think about it. Right. Because like we, we, we could be serious and we could, we could, we could, you know, pedal to the metal and learn. And, and, but, but, but if you want to keep an audience engaged or you want to keep your class engaged, or you want to really make a message get through, people have to want to keep listening. You know, you could, you, people can listen, they can, they can hear you all you want. Are they listening? Are they understanding? Are they taking it home with them? Right. So like yeah. my biggest thing has always been, well, of course you want to make it a little engaging. You don't want to come out there monotone and this is how it's going to be. And la la la. you know, you want to be able to, I, I, the, the days of, um, you know, Donald Trump always said, I, I could be presidential or I could be myself, you know, and I, yeah. I don't want to see him come out there and ladies and gentlemen, uh, my fellow Americans, we have. I like when he comes out and Abu Bakar Al Baghdadi is dead. That's the guy I want. All right. Yeah. He died like a dog. You know. And so, getting into that was, I was at a work event, 2016, and we were bowling just uh, with people from work, and this guy throws a, uh, you know, he throws the ball right down the lane, and I said, and he hit a strike. And that was a beautiful throw. The pins went everywhere. It's like Rosie O'Donnell had it all you could eat buffet. They go, wow, that sounded just like Trump. <laughs> and I said, it did, huh? So I kept doing it the whole night. And they got tired of that real quick. But it was um, it was pretty funny. I've always been interested in weather. So before I had generated any sort of a following and any of the videos exploded, I used to do these really small bits on my Instagram about like snowstorms and stuff. And I would just trump the weatherman. It's going to be a that. beautiful snowstorm. It's incredible. And then my friend, we started this organization uh, I did on Long Island um, in the fall of 2020, where we were throwing cars with flags all over the road, 10,000 of them, uh, you know, going from, central Long Island, all the way out to the easternmost tip, Montauk, and just crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And Trump retweeted it, and he saw it, and it was really cool. Fox and Friends did a hit from one of our rallies. It was a lot of fun. We protested the lockdowns. We protested oh, – we, 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 uh, you know, we, we protested all the social distancing measures, but everyone got – it was a great time. And while that was going on, a friend of mine said, you know, you should go on TikTok, China. And I was like, I don't want to go on TikTok. And all we go, <laughs> that voice you do will be so viral. It will be – so. I said, all right, you know what? I'll mess around. And I started messing around and things took off uh, on there. And now, you know, it's a whole brand. It's Captain Deplorable. And um, that was a name that came from the organization down on Long Island from the car parades and stuff that we were doing because I used to wear, yeah. I wear this tricorn hat. Um, and it was uh, it, it just is all kind of grown together. And now, like you said, what, what I want to do to set apart is, you know, we have these 
controversial issues, but we want to laugh through it too. Um, so we mix in a little bit of the Trump voice and, you know, working on a couple others. Senator John Kennedy is one that people think I could do very well. So we might get to that later. But uh, your you Biden, is, your Biden isn't bad when you when you yell, too. I mean, yeah, angry, you do angry, is, angry Biden is good. Angry Biden. <laughs> I can do angry. Not a joke. Not a joke. Right. Angry Biden. It's, it's, it's the it's the it's the sleepy, you know, the mumbling. I can't do that because right. I put words where they're supposed to be in sentences. He just. That's why catfish smells like ice cream, man. Just, like, like he's yeah. like he's like he's got to get like like it's like you have to be like stoned in order to <laughs> in order yeah, to be, like come up with it, you know? Yeah, it'd be hard to get into that persona, right? I mean, you look at um, the uh, you know as, as we go along and get away from from you know, I mean, the comedy is great, but there's also some serious issues that we're talking about. I mean, um, one of the big things is uh, you, you know the the it seems to me like whoever has the loudest voice is going to uh, – that seems to be the contest nowadays amongst today's youth or today's radicals, whether it's trans activism or the gun grabbers or whoever it is. It's like whoever can, whoever can scream the loudest and make the most noise is going to win. And really that just seems like a, a, a recipe for disaster. I mean I have people – and you have them too. I'm sure you have your trolls. You have you, people. It's like their, their argument is um, you're an idiot. You're a stupid F and F off. I mean, that's, that's our argument. They can't, that they're coming from an emotional basis that that's not based really in any reality because they refuse to dig into the meat and potatoes of issues. And, um, I guess, you know, is that what you see? I mean, is it really, uh, I mean, from your generation, we're separated a little bit is, is, we like to have hope, man. Is there a future? Is there hope for, for the youth of this country? Are they all screwed up like that? No, there's hope, but the hope lies within us. Uh, we have to do things. We have to take action. We've got to make sure that I mean, we, we, I, I know a lot of people who talk a big game, big game. I mean, I deal with it on Twitter all the time. Cause again, my thing is, and it's not just like a shtick or a gimmick. It's how I've always been. I'm not just going to tell people what they want to hear. I'm going to tell them what I believe is true. Even when I was, even when I was, you know, doing sales, Back in a couple of my old jobs, you know, it's like, well, why didn't you tell them that this? I said, because it's not true. I don't want to deal with customers that are upset with me for telling them that yeah. if they get a product, it's going to do something that it physically can't do. I think integrity matters, and I think that wins at the end of the day. Um, you know, so I always get into these, you know, some people will get upset with me on Twitter when I go, hey, you know, DeSantis, I don't really think he's as bad as you're saying he is, right? Even though I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 100% I'm behind Trump, and I could say that as many times as I want to say it. I'm behind Damn. Trump. Obviously, okay, number one, I think he's the best man to lead the country. That's first and foremost. Number he's two, the only man right now, in right. my opinion, that can take us out of the, the, the shithole we find ourselves in. Sure, but, but number two, I mean, I kind of do something that I need him to be relevant for a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, okay? Like, I mean, uh, uh, hello, what do you think? The guy who sounds like Trump is going to pick the guy that I can't sound like? I mean, what are we doing, right? Uh, but but most importantly, that would be a boring. The, hey, if you sounded like Ron DeSantis, that would be a boring shtick. I'm just saying. It's hard. It's a, it's, a, it's I try, I've tried for a little bit. It's really it's really not easy to do. But um, but it's like I, I say that I think he's done some good. There's a bill that just got passed in Florida, right? Let's just call the death sentence for pedophiles if you if you sexually abuse a child under 12 years old. I say, yeah. good law. I like that. I think that's a cool thing. You are a disimp. I said, I am not a disimp. I think that this law is a good law. Why can't we yeah. do that? You know, and, and but I'm not, they, they take that as, oh, well, what are you supporting DeSantis now? What 
So you're going to tell me that you won't give him credit for a good law being passed and we're going to execute pedophiles in Florida just because you think that it would take away from your virtue signaling support of Trump. That's a problem for me, right? So I think we have that issue on our side as well, where everyone likes to complain about, oh my God, there's too much infighting and we have to unify, but we have to unify around what you want. We can't unify around actual, you know, the actual founding principles of this country, right? I have an mm -hmm. issue with people on our side that don't want to act if somebody doesn't say 100% of what they like 100% of the time. Well, I hate to break it to you, but if you are 100% behind somebody 100% of the time, then the left is right, and there's a little bit of a cult yeah. forming. Because I don't always agree with Trump. I don't always ag I don't agree with a lot of his takes on the vaccine. That's number one. Uh, not, that was, he, needs to, he needs to stop talking about that. Uh, he's got to walk that back, or he's got to do some damage control there, okay? Yeah. Uh, the Dr. Oz endorsement from day one I thought was a silly thing. And we had people, oh, he's doing it on purpose to lose. You mean the guy who came up with the term winning bigly is trying to lose? I mean, yeah. like it's it's so on our and I'm not trying to be hard. Like I, people say, you always attack conservative. It's not attacking. What I do is I want to make sure that because you know we we brought up sports briefly. If you don't practice hard, when you take the field to play for real, you're going to get smoked. You know, if you yeah. don't challenge yourself every day to raise the standard and and do more reps or lift a heavier weight or run a little further or run a little faster, you're going to get stuck. And right now, I feel like as a movement, conservatives are stuck. We're yes. stuck in an old we're, – we're kind of – we've placed these kind of uh, uh, restrictions on ourselves. We put these barriers. We've put them there. No, we don't want to do that because we don't want the left to do it to us. They're already doing it to us. Whatever yes. you think they're not doing to uh. us is being done to us already. You know, yeah. oh, we don't want to weaponize the law enforcement system. No, I, I don't want to see it happen, but it's already happened to us. We have to fight back. Yes, it's like, and you brought up a great point in, in, in that, you know, the only Trumpers are really almost just as bad as the never Trumpers. And I mean, you you can't, the extreme on one end or the other and the refusal to, the the, the Democrats and, and the, the, well, I call them extreme commie Democrats. I figure if they're going to call us extreme MAGA Republicans, I can call them extreme commie Democrats. Exactly. And that is that they've, they've, they're very good at consolidating and circling the wagons and, and getting behind their their causes, their purposes, and their candidates. And they do it at a level that the that that the Republican Party better figure out, man, because if we don't, um, we got we got a problem, right? Yeah, and they they get behind their causes and they get behind their candidates. And one of the things that a lot of folks on our side like to point out, they go, Oh, well, the Democrats never have all this infighting. And I say, Well, I think you need to take your perspective and look at it. So in, in some ways we do have a little bit of infighting, people coming at each other fine. Okay. But like when someone calls a primary infighting, I have an issue. Primaries are good, right? Yes, you got absolutely. Vivek, you have healthy, and, and I don't know how I feel about totally about Vivek yet. I I think he he's saying all the right things. That's what I'm saying. I don't know his background. I know there's some question marks. Is there? But it'll bring some good topics to the table, right? Right. So and and DeSantis and and obviously Pence and Haley and all these people that are in the race. And you could say, wow, they're rhinos. Why do you want to hear from them? Because if they bring up a good point and we look at it and go, hey, actually, it wasn't a bad, wasn't a bad idea, we can incorporate that and make that a part of our platform and a part of the direction we push the country, right? So uh, primaries, to me, are a great thing because you have the best ideas get all – everything gets thrown out and the best ideas rise to the top and the bad ideas fall by the wayside and that determines the platform and the direction of the party. That's yep. not infighting. That's called the discussion. It could be heating, heated debate. Uh, you want to say, oh, Trump calling him these names is childish. Well, you know what? 
that's Trump and you got to deal with it. I really care about how the guy's going to lead and how the guy's going to govern and how the guy's going to be as a as as the president of the United States and his track record I believe speaks for itself. Um yeah. but the Democrats are great at like you said getting behind an idea and 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 speaking about that idea in a way that it is effective, right? Abortion is you know, a women's rights issue, right? And it's so yeah. funny because they don't actually care about women's rights when you look at the, the transgender movement, right? When you No, at- man, we can we can put a, a man in the in an MMA octagon and he can beat the crap out of a woman. That's all yeah. good. You yeah. know, the NHL, uh, the NHL had this uh, trans hockey league or something they tried to do, and it, and it <laughs> got through one game where a biological male ch- and was it wasn't even dirty. It was just a, a regular just a hockey nice player. check. Yep. But a biological male checked a biological female. She was down on the ice with a concussion for like five minutes out cold. I mean, yeah. you never see that. Now you have to ask yourself why. Well, and then they uh, they avoid talking about the fact that it was a man who did it to a woman. They go, well, you know, uh, trans women are women. But they aren't. Because if that no. trans woman was actually a woman, she wouldn't have had the power and the strength to put that person out cold on the ice for five minutes, right? Yeah. yeah you... if, if Leah Thomas was actually a woman, <sighs> he would not have been breaking records at the rate and the way he was doing it in a pool with other women, Riley Gaines, et cetera, et cetera. And you in know? the meantime, take taking away, uh, I mean, eliminate, I mean, these, these women think about that. I mean, they, 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 they work their entire lives to, to reach the top of their, of their game. And, and like most college athletes, that's probably as far as they're ever going to go. I mean, that's, that's the end of the road for them. They're not going to become pros. They're not going to go to the Olympics. They're they're for, for the vast majority of them. That's it. That's and, right. and this dude took that away from some of them because it, it, it well, Riley Gaines won with the tie, but then also, uh, because he was in the field prevented others from even qualifying to move on into further rounds. It's, it's, it's despicable. Yeah. It's like, and it's like, we said the same thing about Mulvaney, right? Like Dylan Mulvaney has taken jobs away from women. So my question is, where's Megan Rapino? Remember, you know, Oh, we need to be paid as much as the men. I guarantee you the female, the next female spokesperson for Bud Light. Let's say you get like this really like, let's say Riley Gaines becomes a, they do an ad campaign with Riley Gaines, Bud Light. You think she's going to get as much yeah. money as Dylan Mulvaney? Not a chance in hell. And no. so where is where is Megan Rapino to come out and say the gender gap, the wage gap, the this gap, the that gap? You have Mulvaney telling women how to use tampons. I'm sorry, that can't happen. Yeah. That's that's not – I don't want to know how – first of all. I, well, I think they use ketchup. They, they use like a little bit of ketchup or something yeah. like that. I don't know. I don't, don't want to know how Dylan Mulvaney used the tampon. I, I, it's not, it's not, so I'm not interested in that. Number one, number two, you have the ketchup thing, the tomato paste where they it's right. frozen and they what the hell up. This is not mentally for, healthy. <laughs> no, no, that's the problem. This is a mental illness. It's obvious this is a mental illness. And so, like I said before, you know, we 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 have, and because I'm not uh, some in some corporate structure where you know uh, the 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 program manager of of some big huge corporate conglomerate radio station going to come down and go, you can't say that. Seven years ago, six years ago, people were saying I was saying it that you know this 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 trans this gender identity thing is kind of insane. Like it's we're normalizing insanity. Now, six years later, I'm starting to see mainstream conservative outlets go, are we normalizing insanity? No, 
We are not normalizing insanity. We've already normalized it. It already is normal. Yeah, and what are the, at the, these transurrections in Montana, uh, Oklahoma, Kentucky, Nashville, right down the road from Nashville. Yeah, I mean, hello. I, I, I watch this, and I watch as a school. They go trans rights are under attack. Trans rights are not under attack. They have more rights than any. They have more rights than the Bidens in this country. They yeah. have the ability to. Shoot up an elementary school, trans community. They have the ability to get caught in Colorado uh, about to shoot up an elementary school. They have another one of those shootings that in, in Colorado that happened. The guy was non-binary. We don't hear about these people. Yeah. Right? What about, they can uh, do whatever they want. Yeah, I don't know if you if you uh, follow Billboard Chris at all. I, I love mean, the guy. Chris. Yeah, he basically puts on a sandwich board, right? And he goes to, he goes out to uh, universities and to uh, different protests and that sort of thing. I mean, the guy... He gets violently assaulted by dudes pretending to be women. And, you know, up in Canada, just recently, you know, just the, the guy, I mean, physically attacked him. He gets yeah. verbally assaulted all the time just for wearing simple signs like, oh, I don't know. Children shouldn't have hormone blockers. These are this, I don't understand how we've come to the point where um, where this has become normalized. The media has normalized it. And it's 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 completely not normal at all. No, it's not normal at all. I met Billboard Chris actually at uh, CPAC this year. He's a really nice, nice. guy, um, and and uh, and he cares about about this issue big time. Obviously, he goes out there and he gets attacked. Like I said, these folks, these trans, it some, trans some gonads, man. He's got yeah, balls of steel for sure. To not to not like to just stand there and take it for so long. Yeah. I'm like whoo, you know, like like uh, wow, this guy must be like uh, he must he must practice like stoicism in a big way, right? Like so well, because like, if he responded, he would be the one that ended up in jail. Correct. He knows that. He knows that too. So I sit there and I look at this. And they go, oh, you know, uh, cringe jump here. Trans rights are under attack. Really? Uh, so I watch as uh, everyone says that the trans victim, the trans shooter at the Nashville Covenant School was a victim, right? There's seven victims. So you're, so you're going to count the person who murdered kids and innocent adults as a victim? Okay, fine. Uh, a victim of what? Not a victim of gun violence. This is a victim of mental illness. This is a victim of the fact of what I call big pharmageddon. What we're doing is we're taking. Uh, children, we're taking an entire segment of the population and we're calling it gender affirming care. And actually it's insanity affirming treatment, basically telling an anorexic to stop eating, telling a, schizo a schizophrenic that the voices in their head is real. You know, that those are, these are, these are, these are actually, these are actual mental problems that these people are suffering from and, and dealing with, and we're not treating them the right way. Instead, what we're doing is, you know, if imagine if what we did to a schizophrenic who hears voices in his head, we say, oh, you know what, dude, uh, those are, those voices are real. And you actually are all those different personalities and they are just a yeah. part of you and you're a multi-self. I mean, like we would be really not doing well if we treated schizophrenics that way. If you have an anorexic friend or even an, or an, an obese friend who, you know, an anorexic friend, I'm so fat, I have to stop eating. And you like, you know, you're real thin, but I support you. You are what you say you are. Yeah, you should stop eating. Like that person's going to die. You know, we're now dealing with people that believe they've been born in the wrong body. And honestly, yeah. from, a, from a human standpoint, I feel bad if that's, way, if that's the way someone feels. I do. I actually feel bad if that's the way someone feels. Who I don't feel bad for are the people who are, who are weaponizing it and using it for political gain. You have pharma yeah. companies who have found a billion-dollar industry in these mastectomies, these puberty blockers, which are chemical castration drugs. And then yeah. people have been talking about that for a long time before Matt Walsh, and I loved What is a Woman. I think it was great. But these are the same drugs that are used to chemically castrate sex offenders. You're not giving it to kids to make them feel better. 
You know, uh, when people talk about a trans genocide happening in this country, well, it's happening, but it's happening because the trans people are putting themselves on drugs that are going to keep them from reproducing. I mean, yeah. they're, they're doing it to themselves. Uh, and if they, now it's coming to the point where if they can't kill the baby in the womb, they're going to sterilize the person after the fact. I mean, it's exactly. a sick thing that's happening right now. Exactly. And it's like, you know, and it, which is um, I mean, it's become tr a trendy thing. It's, it's yeah. not I don't think that the majority of the kids I mean, man, I remember when I was a teenager, I was all over the board and I did a lot of crazy stuff. And um, I didn't necessarily follow the crowd. I was more in the. I was more with the, I guess the stoners and the, and the, and the guys who went out to Kagers on the weekend, Sure. but, but I still did, I still did my work and I still knew who I was and I, and I did well, I didn't pretend to be something I wasn't, I guess is what I'm saying. And right. it seems like, like many fads, whether, whether it was being a goth um, or whether it's, it, it's being, uh, you know, well, a horrible period of time, you know, a lot of teens cut themselves uh, self-harming and that sort of sure. thing. And, and then now, and so now you have, um, and, and many of us as a parent, I lived through some of that and, um, I don't talk about it, but I was there real time. And now you have, uh, you, you have the, the, the trans movement and you see these kids and worse than the kids. So for the kids, it, it may be a trend. It may be a fad. It may be a fashionable thing. Oh, I'm accepted. I'm in this gang now where right. everybody thinks like me and I, they make me feel good about myself. What about the parents? Oh, what the hell yeah. are they doing? Well, I'll tell you what they're doing. We were dealing with, there was a guy on Long Island, you know, so the trans community, right, is a a small segment of the population. Very small. Even if it's growing and it's growing at an exponential rate, it's a social contagion, it's a trend, as you want to say. A, a very, very true. But it's still a, a very, very small segment of the population. Most mm -hmm. people aren't trans, all right? Like, even from a, do I identify as LGBTQ2 plus IA, ABCDFJ? Right. Like uh, whatever the acronym is now, most people don't fall into that category. OK, no. um, so that's number one. Number two, actual gender dysphoria, like not just someone who's participating in a trend, but to clinical fit in. Right. Like you mentioned, uh, kids in high school might go ahead and start using drugs to fit in with a new group of people, which we used to always say, don't do drugs to fit in. Right. Well, now you're kind of telling kids do drugs so you could fit in. <laughs> you know, be yeah. Right. Um, but. The literally clinical, the ones who could exactly the ones who could literally be clinically uh, um, diagnosed with gender dysphoria, a very small segment of the population. So we dealt with this dude on Long Island who, when we were running the loud majority out there on Long Island, going to school board meetings and standing up against this and confronting a lot of this stuff with school boards was so, you know, virtue signal. I have. I have a trans kid. He didn't have one trans kid. His whole family apparently was trans. His all of his kids. So how do you? So how do the law of averages work in his favor for that to actually be true? Right? Do they trade you, places or what? I you're mean, you're talking about like a very small segment of the population. Yet a hundred percent of your family of your children are trans. That doesn't mean that they're actually suffering from a mental disorder. He has made them like that. He has forced that on his kids so that he has the ability to walk up in front of a school board and go, I'm the father of three trans kids. Nobody's yes. as woke as me. That's the problem. This is turning into uh, like the soccer moms or the baseball dads or the football dads. Well, I bought my son the new pair of cleats. Oh, yeah. Well, I chopped my daughter's breasts off at 12 years old. You can't right? beat that. And it's becoming a, like you said before, 
uh, a whoever's loudest. It's a you know what waving contest. It's anything you can do, I can do better. And now it's coming down to like, well, it's not that I just bought you know my daughter or my son or my my nephew or whatever this new pair of shoes or a new watch or new clothes or so and so's got the PlayStation Four. That used to be like the competition. Oh, do you have the new game system? Now it's like, oh, did you get your did you get your boobs chopped off at thirteen? Right? No, I got mine at fourteen. Ah, you're a, who has a back in when I was growing up. It was like whoever had a cell phone that was like one of the things. Like, oh, I have a cell phone. Oh, you don't have a cell phone yet? Oh, what's wrong with you? It's like, oh, I just don't have one. Whatever, we'll leave it alone. It, now it's no longer like, do you have the new iPhone? It's like in order to keep up with the Joneses, it's it's turning into like who's who's getting their kids on puberty blockers first, or who's got more trans kids. It's a it's like a it's a it's a social club. It's a it's a competition among these parents to decide oh, yeah. who's more woke. And they virtue signal about it by how badly they can mutilate their children. It's the yeah. Stuff. So somebody somebody sent me this. Uh, they sent me this. Uh, parents of transgender children. It's it's a I guess a group. Um, yeah, my son got his second puberty uh, blocker today. Yay! Uh, I was going to wait until the doctor came in to perform the procedure. The doctor was amazing, by the way. My son freaked out after rub the numbing cream, and after the numbing mess was put in the needle, he got so scared he refused to have the procedure. And she goes on. Luckily, you know, we had a social worker come in and 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 soothe him and comfort him while we injected this stuff into his body that he did not want. She at the very end, the whole way home, he was crying because he was releasing his stress. No, the whole way home, he was crying because you forced him into a position he didn't want to be in right. for your own virtuosity, for your own, uh, you know, whatever it is that, that floats your boat. It's disgusting, man. Yeah, not happy with that. Uh, if parents are forcing it on their kids, like Munchausen syndrome, a little bit, you know, it's uh, and 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 now we're looking at it where the kids who get you know sent to public schools, government money equals government message is what I've been I've been saying that for the last 10, 12 years, you know, and I've been yeah. talking about uh, uh, people who want to be public school teachers. Like, oh, hey, you're going to have to teach the government. Oh, no, no, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. Oh, yeah. Well, you're being paid by the government, right? So if you don't say what they want you to say, much like if you're, you know selling uh comcast cable but you're out there you know you're, you work for xfinity but you tell someone else that the competitor is good uh you're gonna get fired you're gonna lose the money you're yeah. gonna lose that position government money is government message uh when it comes to public schools uh which is why the department of education needs to go totally needs to go it's got it's, it's a disgrace that's a it didn't even exist problem. until jimmy carter and it's been right. a disaster ever since right it's been a disaster so. ever since um but you, you know you look at the goal of public schools, right? It's like, okay, well, we want to make sure everyone has access to education. Okay, that's cool. That's good-hearted, nice. But, um, but you have to look up this uh, um, video from Yuri Bezmenov. You may have seen yeah. it. I know a lot of people, you, ideological subversion. Um, and this is something that that people seem to miss. KGB whistleblower in the 1980s was talking about how, you know, the Soviets never planned to invade the United States mainland. Number one, it's impossible. Second Amendment, thank you. Number two is, you know, the fact that uh, they don't need to. Why Why? Why expend all the energy and the resources and the time and the money? All you got to do is indoctrinate the youth. You get yeah. the youth. You get them young. You you pound this information into their head for 13 straight years in the public school system, K through 12. You then pound it in their heads for four to six more years in college, whether they're getting bachelor, associates, bachelors, or masters. They graduate college. They're your doctors. They're your lawyers. They're your judges. They're your politicians. They're everybody who's in charge of the next generation. So what do you think they're going to do? Well, they're just going to pass all of what they know 
on to the next generation. So that's yeah. how you wind up with an Adam Schiff or an Eric Swalwell or an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or uh, a Stacey Abrams or, or, or these, you know, these Raphael Warnocks that are out there. Or the, or, or, the, or the or the marketing person at Budweiser who thought Correct. it was going to be a good idea. I mean, they've they've indoctrinated, they've infiltrated not just government but also corporations, and that's a big deal. Um, especially a, with got the- like a, a factory now that they continue to churn out new drones, and until you destabilize it and destroy it from the bottom, you got to basically pull the rug out from under them. You can't just go for the top. You take out the the kingpin, you got several minions underneath him and and then several people underneath each one of them. And it's a whole thing. You got to pull the rug out from the bottom. The whole thing needs to be taken out with a sledge at its foundation, not just toppling the top. Right. You know, it's why when you when we when we elect a new president, unless you have a a good Congress, you know, a good House, a good Senate and 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 a fair Supreme Court. It doesn't really matter who your president is. Right. That's why yeah. 2020 was so devastating, because they were able to maintain the House. They were able to get 50-50 in the Senate with a Democrat vice president, Kamala Harris. So they had the Senate. And that's why we saw all of those horrendous spending packages, build back better and infrastructure and all these terrible things passed because we didn't have control. And that's why the final two years of the Trump administration were tough, because you had a Democrat Congress, even though you had a Republican House, there was gridlock and you couldn't really, uh, you, you know, nothing good was coming from just having Trump as as the president, other than he would yeah. veto certain Democrat led bills. Yeah, you know, and that's that's just so it, it's so um, I mean, that's a checks and balances thing. You know, I get it. But when yep. you but when you have but that's when you have fair uh, institutions of of law and order. And that, you know, when you're looking at the FBI or the CIA or different Oof. things like that, and if, if those become activist organizations and and propaganda arms, to get weaponized by a particular party against political opponents. You look at what's happening to Trump with Bragg up in New York. And, um, you, you know, I mean, what do you, when you, and then the, the proud boys, I mean, the proud boys basically got convicted on evidence that nobody saw. I, you right. know, I, I read the information from one of the jurors who spoke out. Look, there were all these secret messages and deleted, you know, telegrams and those, del- they were keeping them private for a reason. Therefore they must've been hiding something. Therefore they're guilty. And we're going to put them in prison for 20 years. Is this, it almost seems like, uh, you know, this is kind of laying the groundwork for for indicting Trump for for seditious conspiracy. Um, do you think that'll happen? Well, I mean, can they, that really happen? They may try. Um, I think there's enough in the public record, uh, thanks to Twitter giving him his account back, which he may never use it again. But the fact that there are tweets there that are saying it's all like, there, you know, go home. We don't we stay peaceful. Um he never directed anybody to break into the Capitol. Uh, there's enough, I believe, in the public record that they can't get him on that. But they're going to try. They're going to try. I mean, like, look at what they're doing in New York. And and we the, the phrase, you can indict a ham sandwich. Uh, it's true. You, because it backfired on him. I think. It did. It definitely did. But but and look at the polls. Right. But yeah. but um, and the, the reason why they say you can indict a ham sandwich is because you literally can. You can sit a ham sandwich down, a picture of a ham in front of a grand jury. And then list all of the things that you're telling the grand jury that the ham sandwich did. There's no discovery in that part of the process, so they don't need to hear from another side. You know, there's no everyone's talking about Brady violations. Oh, uh, uh, Alvin Bragg withheld uh, exculpatory information from the grand jury. Doesn't well, matter in that yeah, yep. in that phase, he doesn't have to show it. When it goes to trial, that's when all that stuff gets fleshed out, which is why you can indict a ham sandwich. Now, most grand juries will not. They, they know that a ham sandwich physically can't rob a bank. 
but you can give them a list of reasons why a ham sandwich robbed the bank and they can issue an indictment for that sandwich is the point. Um, Alvin Bragg doing what he did. This just shows you how out of touch the Democrat Party is and, and where their priorities lie. I mean, you see poll after poll after poll after poll after poll coming out, whether it's CBS and YouGov, if it's a CNN poll, if it's USA Today, if it's Rasmussen, if it's Trafalgar or McLaughlin. And so every single poll shows you yep, everyone uh, around 70 percent of independents. We'll, we'll, we'll put it this way. 30 percent of independents approve of the job Joe Biden is doing right now. 30 percent of independents. Uh, he has a. He may be above water with the Democrat Party, but he's underwater from an approval rating standpoint. Barely. Independents and Republicans, which means that the Democrats are, if you know stats, are an outlier in this case, right? You know, it's like uh, I love weather. If I'm looking at different weather models to figure out how much snow we're going to get or how much rain we're going to get or how severe the weather is going to be, if there's one model that says it's going to be a doom and gloom end of end of day storm, but everything else on you know on the site says it's going to be you know a severe setup, but nothing we haven't seen before. Well, that's the outlier. We're not going to throw all of our eggs in the basket of one model that says everything. The Democrats are the outlier here. They they but they're the loudest and they're the ones who have the media and they're the ones who can make the most noise right now. Uh, so they get the most attention and they are driving the narrative. But they're the outlier in every single poll. Now everyone goes, well, the polls are fake. Well, we all said the polls are fake when it was things that we didn't like to see. Now it's things yeah. that we do like to see, and we still think they're fake. Well, I don't think the polls are fake. I think what we're what, what we're witnessing here is there's a real sentiment in this country that they've gone too far. That the Democrat Party, the people in power, the Democrat Party, the radical left, and the woke, you know, the the, the woke segment of the left that has hijacked that party and taken it in a different direction have gone too far. A lot of people feel that way. A lot of people are convinced that that is the truth. A lot of people uh, will will voice that. The problem is, can we put that motivation, can we put that sentiment to work in our election process? I like hockey. I like football. I like baseball. I like to say it in hockey, right? Hockey, you have three periods, right? In elections, now you have three periods. I want to preface this. You may get blowback. This guy, Sean, came on your show, Dan, and he said uh, that he he doesn't want all the votes to take place on election day. No, that's not what I'm saying. I want my (laughs) votes. I want everything to take place on election day. You want to make it a federal holiday where everybody has off? I'm for that. Do it. Okay. Now I have several things that I'd like to see take place, but we have to get our people in place to do it. Okay. Number one, paper ballots. Sure. France does it. They don't seem to have a problem. Paper ballots, hundred percent. I think that's great. Get rid of the voting machines. And I'm not saying get rid of the voting machines because I think they're what's rigging elections. I'm saying get rid of the voting machines because it's definitely safer to do paper ballots, hand count them, and let's go ahead and do that, okay? Take the machines out. What we saw in Arizona wouldn't have happened if you were dealing with paper ballots because you don't have to worry about the machines not working if the ballots are paper ballots, okay, number one. Number two, um, we we have to trim down the absentee ballot thing, the mail in ballot system. But until we can do that, we need to play that game. We absolutely flood the zone there in California. There were a few Republicans who won because they had ballot harvesting operations out there in California. I believe a few a few congressional races. I forget the gentleman's name, but there were a few congressional races where they had a ballot harvesting operation and it and it worked for them. Number three is early voting. Okay, I I, I don't want people to have to vote early. Uh, I don't want the people who vote on election day to vote early. It's a zero sum game. 
But we need to participate in all phases of the process. Early voting, mail-in yeah. voting, election day voting, right? Yeah, well, uh, we, go ahead. Yeah, and I, I look at it and I say, we have this, there's a there's a sentiment among our people, on among our voters that are losing faith in the system. And that is playing right into the hands of the left because there's, there's no easier way to beat your opponent than if your opponent just decides not to show up or to forfeit, right? You know, mm-hmm. I, I, we can't, just, well, it's rigged. What's the point? Oh, if, if you're going to do that, that's fine. You don't have to leave your house. I'll make sure you get an absentee ballot. You fill it out. You send it in since that's the new standard. Uh, we have this idea. We have to drag people to the polls. I think we should start dragging the polls to the people. All right, let's play it, into the laziness. Okay. Like exactly. I, I agree with you 100%. That's why I interject there because you brought up a great point and that is I agree with same day voting. I agree with paper ballots, but that's not going to happen in 2024. And right now we're playing by two sets of rules. And and the phrase you just brought up, that's what triggered this was take the polls to the people. That's what, I mean, Scott Pressler is out there preaching the same thing. If we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to, if they're going to allow to ballot harvest, you know, we have to play by those same rules. There should be a ballot box at every single church, every NHL stadium, every, every single primarily conservative location. We need to put those out there and also get more active in our ground game because, um, the Democrats are ahead of us. I got, I got to say, you know, that they they have a well-oiled machine. They've figured it out. So and, look at it this way, right? So I like hockey, right? So let's say Republicans are a hockey team that refuses to score in the first and second periods because they're so confident that they're going to score all their goals and have enough to win in a third period. Well, what happens when you're down five, nothing in the third period, it becomes very hard to score six goals in 20 minutes. Right. And so what I witnessed in New York, very close to the Zeldin campaign and very, you know, what I witnessed there, uh, I was sitting down running numbers for hours by hand. I still have those papers somewhere hours by hand came very close to getting the actual vote count to a T like, like almost exactly based off of polling, the population percentages. I'm not even a math guy. I hate math. I did all of this literally by hand typing numbers and, and, and doing these stuff on a calculator and on my phone and found maybe two scenarios where Lee Zeldin was going to win the election with only 50 or some odd percent turnout. And that was if this incredible amount of Democrats crossed over. What happened was I saw the trends early. The early voting in New York was so heavily towards the Democrats that it became nearly impossible for Zeldin to win by the time Election Day showed up, unless we had upwards of 70 to 75 percent turnout among registered Republicans in the state. And we didn't get that. But we could have gotten upwards of 70 to 75 percent Republican turnout to registered voters in the state, uh, registered Republicans, if we had focused on getting people out to vote early and getting absentee ballots to their house. And, and, and one of the things that really bothered me was I had, you know, there were establishment Republicans in New York State who were really upset that the Democrats were sending pre-filled absentee ballot requests to their voters' homes uh, with a with a, an excuse already marked off, which was COVID, and just sign here and we'll get your ballot. They're like, this is election fraud. And then this is not election fraud. This is ingenuity. This is them yeah. basically sending these forms out to these voters that said, you know, uh, this is how easy it's going to be to vote. All you have to do is sign, send it back, and you'll receive a ballot, and then you're, you're all taken care of. Why couldn't we do the same thing if we had done the same thing and gotten these ballots or these ballot applications to our registered voters? Zeldin might have won that election in New York. That's how close it was. If we can do that across the country and instead of being the hockey team that says, well, we don't care how much we're down by in the third. 
we're going to score enough to win. Well, why not try and at least, at least, you know, kind of supplement that last, that, that, that third period, you know, if you're strong in the third period, that's cool, but at least try and score a goal or two in the first and second. So you're only down by four or three in the third, instead of being down by six, right? I mean, don't wait till the fourth quarter to score all your points. Yeah, don't you know, don't get to the point where you have to abandon your goal just to try to score one, you know? Right. <laughs> we're going to stop protecting our goal because we're so far behind. Now we have to go down and try to try to score one. You know, I, I'm a uh, I'm in I'm in Seattle area, so uh, we we've got the Kraken up here. They're a, a it's a cool new franchise, their second yeah. year and they've and they've made it into the second round of the of the playoffs. I mean, who'd have thought, right? Um and and they're they're one and one in their series, but man, they got beat pretty bad on Thursday. Um yeah, and like you said, they were down four to Everly, one. Right? He's uh, the uh, yeah. ex-Islander up there. I, I liked Everly all the time. He's a, he was, he was, uh, we had to let him go, but uh, I'm happy to see him doing well with Seattle. Yeah. I wasn't sure the NHL would work up here, but, uh, but it so far it seems to be, um, Your XFL team was pretty cool too. They got beat by DC, but, uh, the sea dragons, <laughs> this guy, Ben DiNucci is a character. This, uh, he dances when he throws touch on pass. I'm like, this guy's got swagger. He's got to watch out. He's going to get popped, but he's a, he's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you're you're from uh, uh, from New York. Or, I mean, you you spent time in New York, right? I grew and, up and there. So, I spent 31 years of my life there. 31 <laughs> years of your life. So, so we have. Uh, it seems like every season there is a, a lot of drama uh, surrounding a particular NFL player named Aaron Rodgers. It seems like every off season, oh, where is he going to go? Is he going to stay with the Packers? Are they going to give him a contract and and this and that? So. They uh, and we're shifting gears really fast here. I know, but um, he he ended up with the Jets, and so how does you know from your perspective? If we're, if we're going to shift gears really really hard right now, is uh, it, does he um, does he does he fit with the team? I mean, obviously he's a great quarterback. I don't know the rest of the Jets team. I mean, I've seen memes out there that you know Aaron Rodgers decided to retire from the NFL and join the Jets, but. Um, <laughs> You got to throw those out there. I had to give you that one. Um, so, but, but from, from a Jets fan, a Jets perspective, who knows the players on the team and knows the coaching staff and that sort of thing, is it a fit? It won't work. Yeah, I think it does. Obviously uh, what the Jets, the Jets have been a meme for a very long time. I always say uh, when the Jets won the Super Bowl in 1969, in January of 1969, that was when NASA finally said, well, if the Jets could do that, we could definitely put somebody on the moon. Right. So, so, you know, so, or, you know, whatever you want to feel about, but it was, it was, that's when, that's when that happened. Uh, And it's been that way ever since rebuilding since 1969. We haven't had a quarterback since Joe Namath and we've had a few, I mean, we get Pennington was cool. And Farm was good for a couple for that, for that first quarter, three quarters of the season. Then he got hurt. And we had a couple of good times under Sanchez and Ryan Fitzpatrick had a magical year and you know, all these things, but we haven't made the playoffs in a long time, longest active playoff drought in the NFL. Um, The Jets really did bring pieces in that would make it easier for Rodgers to fit. Nathaniel Hackett uh, coming in as the mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. Um, last year, obviously, LaFleur was a disaster, among other things, in this team. We have a quarterback, Zach Wilson, who uh, can't get out of his own way. And I know he idolizes Rodgers, and Rodgers is apparently looking to take on a mentor role, which is something he's never done before. He didn't really want to do that with the Packers because he felt like they were trying to replace him too early. But he comes to the Jets. He knows he's got to be the guy for a year or two. and him and Zach have a relationship, Wilson. So uh, between that, between um, uh, Garrett Wilson coming in, second-year player, guy's an absolute stud. Alan Lazard, obviously, chemistry with Rodgers. Randall Cobb is now going to be a Jet. 
Uh, and he's yeah. going to be the fifth or sixth receiver on the roster, but he's there to help the other guys learn how to play with him. Uh, a couple of offensive linemen have come to come to the Jets uh, that that are familiar with Rodgers. Uh, and and you're dealing with him in a in a in a place where the media is ridiculous, but he loves to mess with the media. My favorite thing that is he is about such to a he's a he's a troll. He's a he's he a professional at trolling the media as Trump is on Twitter. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I love Rogers going in going in at the media. It's great, and he's gonna have a blast with uh, with some of the beat writers, the Jets, namely Rich Cimini, who he knows how to take it. He, he's been at it a while. He's a veteran uh, when it comes to the the New York media. But uh, you know, one thing I think is funny is Aaron Rodgers is stance on the covid vaccine and he's playing for a uh, team that's owned by woody johnson so rogers is obviously like uh he doesn't like the vaccine and he's playing for woody johnson who's of johnson and johnson who pushed the vaccine i've been out in the i mean i've been a season ticket holder for my whole life uh like i said spent 31 years in new york i'm 32 so that tells you how long i've been in new york right yeah um and uh we've been season ticket i've been going to jet games since i'm two years old uh, I have a rasp in my voice. It's permanent. It happened when I was five. I developed something <laughs> called uh, vocal nodes um, because okay. I was screaming during Rich Kotite. Uh, you know, my, it was, uh, I'm it a was, musician. I know singers that that deal yeah. with that all Chris the time. Cornell, Chris Cornell had them. A bunch of singers get them. You know, you don't take care of your voice. You get nodules, nodes on your vocal cords. So I'm always raspy a little bit because of the Jets. Uh, I'm alive because of the Jets. My parents met because of the Jets. Uh, so the Jets are the reason why I I am here in in this uh, in in this likeness and uh and they're going to probably be the death of me one day um because it's just it's just uh, it's every year but i think rogers um i think he's a great player he's got a chip on his shoulder um and i think he i mean look i came into the season going jet should sign Derek carr he brings you stability at the position uh he doesn't get hurt you know, Rodgers does is less drama. You get him for five years, you got stability. Am I upset with Rodgers? No, I've always loved Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I love watching him play at Green Bay. Um, I've, I've always been a fan of how he plays the game. I think he's a great player. I think he's a funny guy. He's a little strange with the darkness retreats and the ayahuasca, but that's fine. You do you. Um, but I think he, he, he is so apparently excited to be here. He was on Pat McAfee the other day saying, I got to pinch myself to believe it's true. And, and the funniest part is like, I've never seen a player be this excited to play for the Jets. And it's funny because when Rogers announced that he actually wanted to come here, we were, me and my girlfriend were watching the, um, the Pat McAfee show and she's sitting next to me and he's going, yeah, I really want to play for the Jets. And she just turns to me. She goes, and by the way, this is somebody who's been to eight NFL games her entire life. Mm -hmm. And she went with me last year to all the Jet home games and, and watched as they ripped our hearts out. Uh, and she just turns to me and she goes, Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers says he wants to play for the Jets. She turns to me. She goes, doesn't this guy know the Jets suck? And I'm like, could you stop it? <laughs> like, they're going to be good. Okay. If he comes here, um, I'm excited. I really am. Uh, we're in Nashville, so I'm not going to be able to see him play in front of us. They waited until, uh, that, uh, the, the waited until I was gone to bring in. That's a, what he was uh, waiting for was for you to yeah. leave. And, and, yeah. 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 But, um, I'm excited about it. I think he does fit and, uh, and we'll see where it goes. So I think they're Super Bowl contenders. No, because it's the Jets. But I think we'll have a fun season, um, and I hope that he can help Zach Wilson. Because if the guy can actually be something special, then maybe we'll have a quarterback, you know, between Rodgers yeah. and Wilson for the next ten years. But um, I mean, these are this is wishful thinking, which is something that Jet fans are very good at. Yeah, well, and hopefully he comes in with the idea. It sounds like you know, with where he's got something to prove. You know, where he yeah. can uh, go shoulder. out there, a trip on my shoulder. You know, uh, the last couple of years in Green Bay weren't, you know, very successful. I kind of felt like I was on the outs the whole time. And so yeah. I'm going to come here. I'm going to be the man. And then also I can, I can help bring up a younger guy. Um, you know, being here in Seattle, of course, we had Russell Wilson who took us to our yeah. only 
took us to our only Super Bowl victory. We've been in the Super Bowl three times, which and people sometimes forget. And you got now, so you're, you're a Seahawks fan, right? You're a 12, yeah, 12 yeah, man? Very definitely, nice. Definitely, definitely. Geno Smith, how do you like him? I tell you what, I'm happy <laughs> I, for the guy. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, last year was a year that was, uh, I think, caught everybody by surprise uh, nationally and locally. And it was uh, where you had a guy who, um, I mean, some could say he's in the twilight of his year uh, career to some extent. And Don, he came Don in. Lemon would say, Don Lemon would say he's past his prime. Okay. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, don't, just be careful what you do with the corn on the cob. Yeah. Um, so the, the uh, but yeah, he came in, man. And, and he, I think he, um, he got his chance. You know, he, he, he uh, the last year that Wilson was here, he did come in for four games while Wilson was injured. He did great. He, he, uh, I think held the fort down really well. He went, um, three and one, I believe. And, and it, it's cool to see a guy like that at the stage he is in his career, be able to come in and contribute and do something, uh, productive and, and then made the playoffs as a starting quarterback, something he probably thought he would never get the chance to do at yeah. the stage in the career that he was in. I um, liked him. And I liked when the Jets yeah. picked him too. I was a fan of him at West Virginia. It just took him a long time to find his footing, but he's in a great system. I mean, Pete Carroll's a great coach. The guy doesn't age, by the way. I don't know how he does it, but he still looks like a 10-year-old on the sidelines. It's great. Um, and and uh, Him and Trump and, are taking the same pills. They must be, right? Um, <laughs> but I, I'm actually really happy for Gino, and I hope it works out. I'm happy to see him get that contract. It must feel good to be uh, to be him. I, I, was, I was rooting for him in the playoffs. I wanted to see him succeed. Yeah, he finally got paid, right? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, what a life-changing event. Um, yeah, life and is he interesting. It. He earned yeah. every bit of it. Absolutely. I mean, it, it took him a while to get there, but uh, – but he stuck with it, and his, his stick-to-itiveness uh, paid off. And the, often that's what it is. You, you just have to stick with things long enough, stay in the game long enough, apply effort every single day, day in and day out. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's business, whether it's professional sports or amateur sports or podcasting. It seems like you just stick with it, keep going. You know, the people who lose 100% of the time are the ones who never give themselves a chance to That's win. That's right. Oh, 100%. You know, there's a, I always I always link up this there's a picture out there of uh, a guy mining for gold or gems or whatever. It's like a little cartoon like a comic. And you know, he's one swing of the pickaxe away from finding something that's going to change his life and he turns around and gives up on it. Yeah. You know? And I always think like, you know, there are days where it's tough. Yeah, today I had tech problems, right? We all have it. We all there are days where it's tough. And you think, is this really for me? And then you just got to think back to that and just go, well, if I don't find out now, I may never get a chance to find out what lies behind whatever obstacle it is that's there, right? Every, yeah. every obstacle that's in front of you, you know, could yield the biggest rewards or it could yield nothing and just something to learn from, which is a reward in and of itself. But it's the people that always keep going day in and day out that put in the time uh, that really care and that really, you know, want to succeed, whether it's anywhere, if it's politics, if it's podcasting, content creation, sports, you know, anything, any craft that you may have, yeah. you have to keep trying or or it will never happen. You miss 100 percent of the shots that you don't take. Um, and I think that's important to, to 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 leave with a lot of people and to let everyone know, like, yeah, the last couple of years pol politically have been rough. But if we don't participate, we can't win. If we don't confront these issues, we won't fix them. If we continue to sit on the sidelines and be keyboard warriors on Twitter and say all the things that we're upset about, well, we don't actually try to fix them. We can't fix anything. So we're going to need all hands on deck 
uh, to reform the education system in the country, to confront wokeism uh, and the woke ideology in this country, which woke ideology, and I want to say the ideology of woke needs to be eradicated. This is not me calling for people to, you know, for violence or anything like that, but the ideology is a virus and it needs to be eradicated in a big way. Uh, we will not do that with people sitting on their hands or 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 placing the duct tape over their mouths because they're afraid of being called a bigot um, or or just feeling like, I don't want to ruffle feathers. It's time to ruffle. It's time to ruffle yeah. a lot because our feathers have been getting ruffled for the last 20, 30 years. And, and we think that if we're nice to these people, you know, if we're just friendly, they won't attack us again. And uh, how does that work with I, I made this analogy to a friend the other day, mosquitoes, right? I mean, if you just... If you let that mosquito bite you, you think it's not going to come back when it's hungry again. If you if you if you if you decide that, you know, uh, you're, you're just going to let an infection go untreated, that the bacteria, whatever you're dealing with, it's just going to go away on its own. If you're if you're in the in a in the water with a with a hungry, a hungry alligator, if, if you're if you pet it nicely on the head and and give it a piece of chicken, you think it's not going to tear your leg off when it's hungry the next time. No, I mean, you're, you're going to get devoured if unless you unless you you know, put these, put the ideology down, you know, you have to confront it. We can't just keep compromising because a compromise really means both sides give, right? Well, it's always one side that keeps giving the ground to the other side and getting nothing in return. To yep. me, that sounds like a raw deal and I don't like raw deals. So we need to wind up. We need to, we need to get to a point where we pull ourselves up, we stand, we, we say we're going to hold the line. And when they push us at that line, we push back and say, no, 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 this time, this line, we're not giving a, we're not giving a, a centimeter of ground. We're going to start taking ground back. It's, it's yep. that analogy. When you push back at that schoolyard bully, they stop picking on you because they didn't expect the resistance. Yeah. That's they got a bloody nose, right? It's like, Oh, I didn't know what that felt like. Now that I know what that feels like, maybe I'm going to be a little more careful and, and you're you know, you, dude, you're preaching exactly what I say all the time. And that is, you know, get involved. Everybody has a talent. Everybody has something they contribute, can contribute. Yes. And if you don't, I mean, whether you're, you know, if you, if you feel like being a, a you know public figure, you know, run for the school board, county council, different things, or go to the board meetings and, and, and give testimony or whatever. If that's not your thing, if you're not comfortable, or you can't get out or whatever, you know what? If you got five bucks, send it off to somebody who will do that mission for you. And you donate and, with your energy. You can contribute. Absolutely, energy. man. You can contribute testimony. You can be the person running for office. You can be the person managing the person's campaign that's running for office. And if it's just not for you, if you don't want to go out, maybe, maybe you have a disability, you know, maybe you can't do some of these things. That's fine. If you have something to give, you have to give it. And I'm not saying give it to me. I'm not saying give it to I'm saying. Yeah. Give it to the right people in the movement. I say all the time, donate to candidates, not parties, right? You know, you donate to the RNC. Where's that money going? Mitch McConnell, these, these people just, we have to, we have to focus on winning. Nothing else matters. Winning right now matters. 2024, if we don't win, and I always say, oh. you know, we're one of, no, no, this is it. There's no hyperbole. Four more years of this is not acceptable. We talked about never Trump and only Trump. Both of those factions of the Republican Party of the right need to get over it. Right. You can't be you can't tell me never Trump and then be upset with Joe Biden. You can't tell me only Trump and then be upset with Joe Biden if Trump isn't the guy. I want Trump to be the guy. I think Trump will be the guy I'm behind him. One hundred percent. I am not only Trump. I can tell you that if it is. 
Ron DeSantis in in 2024 as our nominee. Same. I will be voting for him. Will I be happy that it's not Donald Trump? No. But do I want four more years of what we're living through now? Absolutely not. I'm not never Trump. I'm not only Trump. What I am is never Democrat, never Biden, and only freedom. That's it. Okay? I don't care about anything else. I just want to please. I want to just take it back from these people. The the country won't exist. I mean, if you look at um, uh, and and we're going long, and I appreciate your time, man. I really do. I can keep Um, going, man. (laughs) We got we got. uh, I I I did the math, man, and and the the number of illegals that have come across the border since since Biden took office equals nearly four percent of the entire population of the United States. And I don't think people understand the significance of that. That the great replacement theory is real. It's it's not a theory. It's happening. And they the you know oh you know I mean twenty eighteen it was four hundred thousand a month under Trump and his policies. And the last fiscal year it was two point three million. We have Title forty two getting ready to end, and it's just going to. I think there's like. Uh, some estimates are between 700,000 and 1 million illegals, mostly from uh, South America and China and the Middle East and who knows where yeah. else, are sitting there right on the other side of the border waiting to come across. El Paso is a disaster area. They've declared a state of emergency because they've, they've basically been invaded by a foreign uh, force that, that is going to just suck on the teat of this country for as much as they possibly can. That's right. And, um, yeah, so imagine that for, you know, five and a half more years, you might replace 15% of the population of the United States with foreign individuals. Not that immigration isn't good, but damn it, do it legally. Do yes. it the way the system is designed to work, not by punching into a phone app saying, oh, here I come. Give me give me asylum. Bullshit. Yeah. No, uh, uh, immigration is not a bad thing when it's done properly. I have no problem with people who come into this. I just spoke with somebody at a bar in Nashville. He has been in the country for 30 years, four years ago, got his citizenship. Love this guy. I mean, did it all the right way is just incensed with people who are doing it the wrong way. I've met so many people who celebrate getting their citizenship. I mean, it's a, it's a great thing. And it's a, I'm like, Hey, you did it. Welcome to the greatest country on earth. But if you're going to come here the wrong way and and you're going to and these people aren't doing it out of malice that are coming here the wrong way. I get it. There's a lot of their life sucks, right? I I get it. There's a lot of people who are desperate. And when I say they're a draw on the system, I don't want it to be like I I hate these. I don't hate these people. I, I really am. I feel bad for a lot of the people who have to flee and 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 sneak in. I I I it's. It's it's ter- but it's also it isn't our job. It's not it's, I, I hate to be like cold about this, but it's not the taxpayer's job, in the United States. It's not the country's job to be a place for these people if they can't physically do it like that's on them to figure out a way to get here the right way. Just like it's not the United States job to defend Ukraine, especially when you uh. have countries in Europe that are like, well, we're abandoning the dollar. Great. Then we're going to abandon sending the dollar to your people in Ukraine. How's that sound, mm-hmm. Macron? How's that? You want to you want to abandon the dollar? Hey, that's not good for the dollar. But go ahead. Now you fund Ukraine. France, All right? How yeah. about that? 
you know, uh, and then and then foreign aid, which is something that I, I, I and I say it on just about every show that I go on, because I want this to get to every audience that is possible, not just mine, not just yours, but anybody's show who I go on. We talk about foreign aid. I always say there's only one remedy for foreign aid and it's for it to end. It's got to go. OK, and this is what I want to see happen. I want to see in that. I want to see because we all know the wonders of C-SPAN, right? You yeah. know the wonders of C-SPAN, the House Speaker vote. It was like a soap opera. I was like all my children with Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates. Who's going to swing at George Santos, right? Like all this crazy stuff. It's like we all know that the wonders of C-SPAN, we can watch Congress operate. We know that it's uh, it, it, it's something that the Democrats wanted to put on primetime television with the January 6th committee, right? Yeah. So I say when we're doing the budget, we're talking about where we're spending our money. Let's put a camera up in uh, the House of Representatives. Let's mic the place up and let's take every single dollar, every single dollar, every tense, every cent of foreign aid out of the budget temporarily. And for every package of foreign aid that goes in there, whether it's one dollar being sent to a country because somebody's hungry or it's billions of dollars being sent to a country because there's a, a war going on in Ukraine that we want to help with, I want Congress publicly in front of cameras to tell the American people why that country deserves the money more than this country. Tell me why we should be investing billions of dollars in Ukraine instead of billions of dollars of money that are taken from our citizens that are looted from our coffers in this country to fix our roads, to fix our bridges, to strengthen our defense, to keep veterans alive, to clean up the homeless problem, to clean up the drug problem, to combat oh, yeah. fentanyl, to, to help needy children. Why are we propping up Ukrainian pensions when our own Social Security is suffering? Why are we propping up the Ukrainian government when our government can't stay open and can't agree on how much money they're going to spend? You need to tell me, Congress, to the American people, get them in front of a camera, Every dollar out of out of the budget comes out. Every single dollar. And again, may not be what some people want to hear, but even the countries that we say we like. I like Israel. I don't want to see bad things happen to them. But why do they get money when we need it more? You can't donate to charity with when you have a donut in your bank account. You can't. Yeah. So we don't have the money. We need it more than they do. Sorry, other countries of the world right now. This is American taxpayer money. We're going to reinvest it in our people. When we have our problems fixed, we'll come back and we'll help you. If you don't like it, too bad. That's where it's got to be. Every dollar out of the budget. Public debates as to why those countries make the case they need it more than we need it. They'll never be able to do it. You'll see You'll see term limits come into Congress at that point. Be all we yeah, I hope that people. you do. I That's the one th that one thing alone. Term limits, one thing alone for Congress. That would, oh, dude, it would, it would, it would, yeah, fix a ton of stuff. And at least it would keep the conversation relevant and, and current and, and real and, and not uh, embedded in, 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 you know, well, the swamp for lack of a better term, but, um, but you have, are we getting, uh Oh, no, no, you're oh, fine. Sorry. You're fine. My hat just did something weird. You hat hat malfunction. Sorry. Hat <laughs> malfunction. So, <laughs> but, uh, well, it's just another transfer of wealth, too. I mean, if you look at uh, taxpayer, I mean, we're still waiting to find out why do we send all this money to big pharma during COVID? I mean, obviously, we sent it to them for a vaccine that didn't work, but somehow we transferred hundreds of millions of U.S. tax dollars, billions of U.S. tax dollars, actually, to big pharma. And now we've just shifted over to the military industrial complex, because if we don't have a pandemic or a war, then the those who are in, in, in power, the politicians, the slimy politicians, they can't uh, they can't function. They can't get money from their donors. So you've got to support something. Right. 
right? And uh, and and COVID was a was a wealth transfer, and it was oh, a dude. power grab from from the very beginning. Uh, and 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 I say, you know, and when Trump did it, fifteen days to slow the spread, I said, this is this is a terrible thing to do. Oh, you know, you don't, you know, he's he's just trying to keep people safe. Yeah, I know he's trying to keep people safe, but he's destroying the economy and he's destroying people's lives by doing that. And it's not like Trump said 15 days, everyone's got to do it. There were states that didn't close. There were states that closed for a very short time, Florida being one of them, Georgia being one of them, you know, and I know it's like taboo among folks on our side to say good things about Florida and Georgia because we, people don't like DeSantis anymore. They don't like Kemp. And I understand, uh, you know, the reasons behind that because of the elections and other things, primaries, et cetera. Um, but 15 days to slow the spread and, and COVID and the lockdowns and the curfews. And the, the biggest thing that pissed me off was the government, state governments from, you know, New York to California telling businesses or determining which businesses were essential and non-essential. I mean, any business that has customers that can stay afloat is essential to those customers, yeah. period, end of story. So the market determines whether or not a business is essential or not essential. That's why you don't see VCR repair shops anymore because there's no market for that business anymore. So a VCR repair shop now is basically your, your stores that say, I fix screens if it's broken, right? That's your new yep. VCR, right? That's why, why don't you, why do you not see, you know, uh, uh, DVD or repair, repair places or things like, because it's, it's, it, there's no market for it. The market determines whether a business is essential, whether a business is needed, not the government. Well, unfortunately, yeah. the government decided who was needed, what was needed, and, and when it was needed, and where it was needed, and what time of the day it was needed, and whether or not you were allowed to go there to get your hair cut. You can go to Home Depot. You could buy a leaf blower there. You could buy hardware and stuff and do stuff around your house, but you couldn't go to you know Joe's hardware store because uh, th their business wasn't essential. But Home Depot was. They said they sell the same products. How could yeah. one be? How could one yeah. be essential? One not be essential, right? So people are eating outside in the cold in the winter. They're eating on the sidewalks. Well, they were eating outside inside. They were eating outside inside. They made. Oh, you know, dude. They made the 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 pop up tent was outdoor dining, but it was inside. It's the same thing. It was the that my favorite was when I was at a bar, you know, where like we were in like phase two of the lockdowns being list, lifted or whatever, and if you stood up. You had to wear a mask. That was Andrew Cuomo's rules. But if you sat down, you didn't have to wear a mask. Well, I was sitting on a bar stool. So when I stood up, my head was literally at the same height off the ground as when I was sitting. So yeah. you mean to tell me that the virus knew when my rear end was in a seat, it couldn't come near me. But when I got out of the seat and my head was in the exact same spot, I was totally vulnerable. The virus also knew the difference between root beer and actual beer. Matter of fact, they knew the difference between non-alcoholic beer and alcoholic beer. Because if you got alcohol, you had to order food. And Andrew Cuomo said that chicken wings didn't count as food, but soup did. So I was like, where, where are we getting this? Where is this coming from? And they were just obviously, they wanted control. That's all it was. They're just making shit up, man. And, and the sad part is, is um, you know, we're still paying for it. I mean, I don't know what it's like down where you're at, but up here at the hospitality and service industries are still suffering. They can't get staffing. They can't, especially in the kitchen. So they can't keep up with the customer, the customer demand. I mean, there's everybody's, you can't just walk into a bar and sit down in a lot of places. You've got to go there and wait yep. until you're allowed to go sit down in the bar. There's not even open seating because they don't have, they're, they're trying to pace it, you know, for the kitchen so the kitchen can keep up. You have reduced menus. You have – and that's just one example. And, and it, I use it because I eat out a lot. 
probably mm-hmm. far more than I should. I'm probably going to have a cholesterol and heart attack someday, but, um, mm-hmm. but, but I enjoy it. So, uh, it, it's, it, and I don't have time to cook, man, cause I'm doing this sort of thing and, of um, and, and, and playing music and, and just, you know, living life rather than, uh, than cooking food, I guess. Um, but anyway, so, Hey, before we, before we close this up and, and it's been, it's been great having you dude. Uh, seriously, it's Thank been you, a lot of fun. You. you didn't have to come on. I appreciate you did. Uh, and, and I, I think it's been a good conversation, but man, give us a little bit of 45, will you? Absolutely. Well, this is the nun report and it's incredible. You know, he's doing a fantastic job and uh, he's doing a, a hard thing. You know, it's not easy to do what uh, Dan Nunn is doing. He's doing a great job and uh, we are having a wonderful time. Now I have to tell you something, little meatball run and I call him little meatball. I call him tiny D sometimes we can call him a lot of things. We're going to win so bigly in 2024. He's not going to know what hit him. But I have to say this. The Nun Report is one of the greatest shows in the history of the world. I hope you like the video. I hope you subscribe to the channel. I hope you share it with all of your beautiful friends. And together, when you do that, we will make America great again. Believe me. <laughs> beautiful, man. You rock. Hey, so where can people uh, find you? If they want to know more about uh, you know Sean Farish and, and what you do, uh, you know, your website, you know, obviously, uh, captain deplorable 45.com yep. it, people can go and they can, uh, you know, they can look at uh, your, 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 your information, how to get you at appearances to come out to their events and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And also stuff, where else can, can we find Sean fresh? So, uh, you could find me personally, uh, my, more of my serious, and I try to mix in funny also on ungoverned rumble.com slash TV. Uh, that's on ungoverned, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern to 11 a.m. Eastern Monday through Friday live on rumble. But if you can't catch it live, it's on the whole day. So you could follow it there. Uh, I'm on truth, social getter and Twitter at Sean S H A W N underscore Farish F A R A S H. That's my handle everywhere. Instagram. It's the same thing. Just no underscore. Uh, and my rumble channel is rumble.com slash Sean Farish also for, for some of my stuff. And then obviously rumble.com slash captain deplorable for some of that other, uh, for, for the other content, some of the live streams that we do, some of the short clips, etc. Uh, so that's the long and short of it. And I hope to see everybody there. Um, and thank you for having me today. It was a fun conversation. Uh, and, uh, and I, I really like what you're doing here. Hey man, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get on again sometime, uh, one way or another. I'm sure we're going to cross paths again at some point. Sure thing. All right, brother. Hey, uh, hey, thanks for watching. And again, that was uh, Sean Parrish, man, Captain Deplorable himself, Captain Deplorable45.com. I think you can link into everything right there. He's got a couple of different podcasts. One is Ungoverned on uh, LFA TV, and that is, uh, you can find it. Just go on to Rumble and make sure you go to Rumble because Rumble is the place to be. You, you, you can't be censored. You can't be, well, unless it's illegal, but I don't think any of us are doing illegal things. It's certainly not going to get shut down like YouTube, but um, you can find them at Captain Deplorable or at Ungoverned on Rumble and uh, also Twitter at Sean underscore Farish. And, uh, and and just, uh, you know, it's great to have him on. It was a cool thing. Anyway, hey, um, everybody out there, go and support your local podcasters. Go and support your local people and, and do what you do. Thanks again for watching. This has been The Nun Report. And if you're just listening on the radio or one of the podcast channels, make sure to check it out on rumble.com slash The Nun Report. You can also catch me on all the socials at The Nun Report, except for TikTok, because I don't do that commie BS. Or just go to my website, thenunreport.com. One stop, one shop, 
all in one place. You can just click into everything right there. I don't know how to make it any easier, but please subscribe. It makes a difference. Uh, you know, if you want to get the conservative message out and you want to help the algorithms and support and get things out there, you've got to follow these things and, and be part of the process. Don't be a spectator. Okay. Anyway, hey, thanks again for watching. And as always, until next time, may the odds be ever in your favor. Cheers.